0: back when like a child running wild in
1: the outside you got older older hi welcome to another episode of smile you love us a podcast where we discuss the wide world of teen movies and what they mean to us but most importantly their impact
0: on pop culture as a whole I'm Blythe, and I am old enough to remember what a Trapper Keeper is. I'm Erin. Me too. (laughs) Every week we'll be discussing a new crop of teen movies based around a theme of our choosing, and today's episode is all about the (laughs) bard, William Shakespeare. Uh, For reasons we'll discuss, the teen movie universe in the late
1: 90s through mid-2000s was chock full of Shakespeare adaptations, including... Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, oh, a retelling of Othello, the classic and beloved Ten Things I Hate About You, and kind of late to the game, she's the man.
0: I took several semesters of Shakespeare in (laughs) high school and college, so I am thrilled to finally be putting my English degree to work while also discussing the unique, subtly erotic qualities of the spaghetti strap tank top. What? Get us started with the tragedies. You got it. So we're going to start with um, Romeo and Juliet. Shakespeare is an author who understood youth culture and adolescent rebellion particularly well, which is perhaps the reason why so many of his plays became blueprints for the teen movie genre. Shakespeare gave us Prince Hal, the original privileged teen turned badass, Hamlet and Ophelia, our first angsty emo teens, and Romeo and Juliet, the ultimate symbols of young love and how parents just don't understand. Romeo and Juliet has seen many, many, many film adaptations, including West Side Story, and a recent adaptation done by Julian Fellows in 2013. The Fellows version had Haley Steinfeld and Douglas Booth playing the titular characters, and Ed Westwick, a.k.a. (laughs) Chapass, of Gossip Girl fame, playing Tybalt. There was also Franco Zeffirelli's 1968 version, which was lauded for the use of two actual teens to play the lead characters, At the time of filming, Leonard Whiting was 17, and Olivia Hussey was 15. Although placed in the traditional Elizabethan setting, Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet were presented as peers to the disaffected youth of 1968, and the core conflict of the story, young people dying for the sins of their elders, was meant to be a direct commentary on the Vietnam War. I mention Zeffirelli's version only because director Baz Luhrmann borrows so much from it in his 1996 retelling, which we'll be discussing today.
1: But you failed to mention the soon-to-be-remade West Side Story with that by Steven Spielberg. Is it by Steven Spielberg? I don't it know. Is. I don't
0: know. I didn't know the West yeah, Side Story was being remade.
1: Yeah, is going to be Romeo. Or, no, Tony. What's his name? Tony. Tony. Um, I
0: then, must have blocked that out of my mind because that is a terrible casting yeah. choice.
1: And then they cast like an unknown girl from, the, from YouTube for Maria.
0: That sounds... Like, just what 2019 deserves. Yeah, That sounds about right. Well, I mentioned the Zeffirelli version only because director Baz Luhrmann borrowed so much from it in his 1986 retelling. Um, In both films, we are drawn to the young lovers and feel their passion and intensity in a way that is never quite captured on the stage. And like Zeffirelli, Luhrmann chose to use the Bard's original language as opposed to, quote-unquote, updating it for a modern audience Although, unlike Zeffirelli, he did not instruct his actors to speak an iambic pentameter. Additionally, both directors chose to present Mercutio, Romeo's best friend, as gay, or at least suggested heavily. In Lerman, Lerman's version, Harold Perrineau, of Lost Fame, plays Mercutio delivering an electrifying rendition of the Queen Mab speech while wearing a sequin bra, matching miniskirt, and platforms. This is a great example of Lerman's over-the-top aesthetic, which we see in his other films, Strictly Ballroom and Moulin Rouge. Lerman's Romeo and Juliet is set in a modern-day fictional city, Verona Beach, that I assume is meant to be in Southern California. You know, when I saw it
1: as a teen, I assumed it was Miami, and I don't know why, but when I watched it, I was like, no, it could be California, like...
0: I guess I thought Verona Beach, Venice Beach, yeah, but that it could also very well be Miami. It, it, it actually was filmed in Mexico, so it really oh, is, yeah, no way. but it's not meant to be Mex. I mean, it's meant to be sort of...
1: Tropical humid yeah, place. Yeah,
0: ambiguous. Yeah. Um, and it, honestly, it, the vibe of the, the mise-en-scene, <laughs> it, it just reminded me of Grand Theft Auto, even though it predates it. I was like, this is the video game. <laughs> Uh, It's hot and dirty and it shows the underbelly of this society driven by lust and greed. And sex especially is presented as like really pornographic and body and cheap and there's prostitutes and like...
1: I remember being like scary. It was. I mean,
0: it was like very seedy. Uh, And it makes the true intimacy between Romeo and Juliet all the more stark in comparison. They represent this innocence and promise of youth and true love uncorrupted. The soundtrack, which featured Radiohead, The Cardigans and Garbage, is one of my favorites to this day. That, plus the brilliant casting of Claire Danes, who was fresh off my so-called life. And a fairly... Yeah, I know, right? It's just brilliant. And uh, a pretty young Leonardo DiCaprio... Made it a Gen X blockbuster, and it remains the highest-grossing live-action Shakespeare adaptation ever.
1: Good, good,
0: yeah, it, it good. <laughs> but maybe this Ansel Elgort West Side Story will probably, blow it out of the water. Probably,
1: it'll probably have like Avengers level ticket sales. Oh Kill me.
0: Our listeners will undoubtedly remember Romeo and Juliet's Meet Cute at the Fish Tank, which is my favorite scene. I rewatched it today
1: on YouTube.
0: How could you not?
1: (laughs) I was just like, oh, I need to see this one more time before recording.
0: And there's also their epic underwater makeout scene Uh in the pool outside of Juliet's room, which is a really nice retelling of the Romeo and Juliet classic balcony scene. Uh, This movie also gave us some incredible supporting characters that include teen movie staple Paul Rudd as Paris. Ageless. Cute as (laughs) a button, too. Ageless Paul Rudd. Looks the same then as he does now. And of course, there were the multiple Leo hair flips, which is just swoon.
1: And my favorite actor in this, and we can talk about this later, is John Leguizamo.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention him um, as Tibbolt. He is just
1: perfect. Right, when I remember this movie, I remember... Him, I, I remember him and like his emotion and how it helped me understand it better.
0: Do you think he was better than Chuck Bass? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> They're like not even the same species <laughs> no. of actors.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, the next tragedy on our list is 2001's O, which was a modern day reimagining of Shakespeare's Othello. The play Othello revolves around two central characters. Othello, a Moorish general in the Venetian army, and his ensign Iago. The movie O is set at a private high school in South Carolina, and the central characters are renamed as Odin O. James, star of the basketball team, played by Mackay Pfeiffer, and Hugo Golding, his teammate, played by Josh Hartnett. Apart from the setting and Hugo's steroid abuse, (laughs) the plot of O, O is pretty faithful to Shakespeare's original tale of jealousy, racism, and revenge. Hugo is jealous of Odin's success on the basketball court and is especially upset when Odin names Michael Cassio, a sophomore, as his co-MVP when he and O have been playing together for the last four years. Come on, throw me a bone. Michael Cassio, I should note, is a, is played by Andrew Keegan, who is a notable staple of 90s teen television and film. Have he, we
1: talked about Andrew Keegan yet?
0: Not yet, but he's... We're doubling down on Andrew <laughs> yeah, Keegan he's today. coming up a lot today. So, uh, in, like Othello, Hugo unites a plan to bring O down by suggesting that his girlfriend Desi, played by Julia Stiles, has been unfaithful to him. With the help of his girlfriend Emily, played by Rain Phoenix, sister of Joaquin Phoenix, and the school outcast Roger, played by Eldon Henson, who is a Mighty Ducks alum. You,
1: you would recognize him if you saw him. Immediately.
0: Hugo successfully convinces O that Desi and Michael have been cheating behind his back, and this eventually leads O to strangling Desi in her dorm room. O then kills himself, but only after Emily reveals the truth. Oh, sorry. O kills himself, but before...
1: No, he knows the truth.
0: Right, sorry. That's right.
1: Yeah, he kn- it's a very... It...
0: Yes, he kills himself, but before he kills himself, Emily reveals the truth of Hugo's plans.
1: It's a lot for it's... teenagers, It's like, yeah. a lot. It was tough stuff. It was tough stuff for a
0: teen movie. Uh, especially when I found out that the film's intended release date was April 1999, but they had to push it back because of Columbine. I know. That was not fun to figure out. So it was about. actually,
1: it was produced by Miramax, and then it was bought in like a different, when Miramax like, not when like the recent dissolution of Miramax and the Weinstein right. Company, but like.
0: They shelved it and eventually yeah, a different production company I think they sold it to it. New
1: Line. And New Line was like, oh, we'll just put it out. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's um, right. And it
1: didn't have, like, the marketing around it for people to care about it when it was released. Which is fine, because we don't care. I don't know how you
0: would it. market this film. It just, I don't really... I mean, Josh
1: Hartnett and Julia Styles is, like, how you market the film. Okay, all right. And <laughs> Martin Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: right. Martin, Martin Sheen plays the basketball coach, who's also Hugo's father, and... It gives Hugo some motivation as to why he wants to destroy O so badly. He seems to has da- seems to have daddy issues, which is not in the original play, but we'll get into that. The only interesting trivia I have for the film was that it was directed by Tim Blake Nelson, who most people know as an actor. He played Delmar O'Donnell in O Brother Where Art Thou and Buster Scruggs in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Thanks, play. You're welcome. That was a real
1: downer. Yeah. <laughs> To do my best. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll uh, line it up uh, chronologically with 1999's 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, we are obviously recording this podcast in 2019, which means it's the 20th anniversary of the film, and there's been a lot of good content around Woo-woo. that. Mostly um, inspired by Taming of the Shrew, this is a way more modern retelling and way less misogynistic. Um, Cameron, played by a young, very young, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, and Patrick Verona, uh, which is a nod to the origin of Percutio. Is that how you say his name, Blythe? Who's the original character in Taming of the Shrew? Oh, God. Well, he hails... Petruchio. Petruchio. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> University <laughs> of Wisconsin. Uh, so he is the character that Patrick is, is based on, and his last name, Verona, is one of the many little winks to his origin. Uh, and he is played in Heath Ledger's first U.S. Um, it's Heath Ledger's first U.S. movie. So, just take take that all in. Heath Ledger really only made 16 movies, and this is quite the one to arrive on the scene with. I think it was a
0: brilliant introduction. Oh,
1: it, I, I think about what the casting room must have been like when he walked in. People were probably just like, <laughs> oh... Okay, we have a whole new movie now because you're here. Totally. Um, so Cameron and Patrick, they both transferred to Padua High School, which is taken from the city the play is set in. It takes place in Seattle. Seattle is super prominently featured in this movie, so I don't know what kind of like tax write-offs <laughs> they got, but like you want to go on vacation to Seattle and be 17 when you watch this movie. <laughs> um, the Stratford sisters are in their sophomore and junior year, we have Kat, Katerina, played by Julia Stiles. And she's the definition of, like, unaffected and cool. She wants to go to school on the East Coast. She's, like, very third-wave third feminism. She speaks up for herself and for others and has this, like, kind of angry demeanor. And then we have her sister, Bianca, who's, like, very princessy. Um, she's constantly aiming to please their overprotective father and achieve popularity. So she catches the eye of both Cameron and um, who I'm going to refer to as our resident 90s teen hair gel model, and Andrew Keegan, who he's plays back, Joey. Baby. He's great in this. Yes. Joey kind of like set the model for douchey high school guys in this. Um, so he's a popular senior um, who also has a crush on Bianca, so to speak. So due to their overprotective father, who is also... Um, An OBGYN, similar to to all the boys I've loved before. Uh, The sisters are not allowed to date in high school, but then the rules get changed that Bianca can't date until Kat dates with the presumption that Kat will literally never date. So that's, it's like a little demeaning, but that's the assumption that we're riding with. So then Cameron and Joey, they both approach Patrick to date Kat because they think that he's this like, Ins- insane man who would be the only type of guy that could, quote unquote, handle her. Um, and she rebukes his advances, which then prompts the best singing in all of teen movies, maybe. Um, maybe in all of like 90s American cinema. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> teen for- movie. Yeah. It's a big moment for sure. So Heath Ledger sings. Can't take my eyes off of you, accompanied by the school marching band on the school bleachers while Kat is practicing soccer and finally wins her over. Um, That scene really holds up. Oh, yeah. I paused it and rewound it when I rewatched. So, of course, they go out. He falls for her. Cameron gets his heart smashed by Bianca, who's now allowed to date and delivers a fantastic get your shit together, you can't treat, treat people this way speech to Bianca. Um, Bianca realizes that Joey is a dirtbag, Kat finds out that Patrick was being paid to date her at the prom, and then they break up, but the movie ends with them getting back together. Uh, this was, like I said, a huge breakout film for Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, also, big shout out to Alice and Janney for being a total weirdo side character as their guidance counselor. It's really excellent. Every time I rewatch this movie, I, and she's in, like, the first scene. Mm-hmm. And I forget, I'm like, Alice and Janney, what a move. Uh, And also shout out to Gabrielle Union, who plays Bianca's friend, um, and just has like a few really great, not throwaway lines, but just like really great moments of quotable things that are there. Then we move to She's the Man. Uh, This movie may be a surprise to some people to be lumped into this, but it is a well-received... Shakespeare adaptation of Twelfth Night that came out in 2006. Um, coincidentally, or I think not, it has the same screenwriters as 10 Things I Hate About You, so Kirsten Smith and Karen McCullough. That blew me away. And they also wrote The House Bunny, Ella Enchanted, and all of the Legally Blondes, including, like, the Legally Blonde 3. So these women are have, like, created our lives, basically. Those
0: are some of... My favorite movie, right? And the like, House Bunny is so underrated. I think that it is a crime. The
1: House Bunny stars Anna Faris, and it's a hilarious, hilarious movie that showcases all that Anna Faris does well. So if you haven't seen it and you like really want to laugh, please see that. I
0: feel like I have to just write these women a thank you. Letter. I know. I had no idea thank that they were responsible the for so you much. The joy you brought me,
1: yeah. Wow. Okay, so I think that Twelfth Night is. Arguably Shakespeare's most fun. <laughs> it's my
0: favorite Shakespeare play.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, it's based on these twins, Sebastian and Viola, who are separate, separated. Um, and in the play, for survival, um, Viola has to pretend to be a man. And so she endears herself to this Duke, Duke Orsenio, who's in love with this countess, Olivia, and she's like listless, list, having gone through this loss of her family and so, in turn, Viola falls for Duke while doing his bidding to win Olivia over. But Olivia falls for Viola, pretending to be a man. Um, the two thousand six film simplifies the f- plot a little bit, but then it also ups the ante in like this really great great way by putting in um, like a, a great B plot. So, and and then not, not even a B plot, but like a driver, yeah. like a reason that mm-hmm. we are doing all this. So. Uh Viola is played by Amanda Bynes in her prime. Uh she plays soccer exceptionally well at a school that cuts her team because not enough girls signed up for the team. When I was rewatching this, I text Blythe like, "Wait, when did Title 9 come out? Like this can't be a real thing." <laughs> um anyways, they cut this the team and <clears throat> her brother Sebastian has just, her twin brother Sebastian has decided that instead of attending his senior year at a new prep school, he's going to go to London with his band and just start school a little bit later, and their parents are divorced and like kind of clueless, so they can get away with this weird lie in which Viola just takes Sebastian's place, uh, and no one no one's the wiser. So she decides to take his place at his school Illyria, which is based on the place that the play is set. Um, and try out for the soccer team. So she dresses up as a boy and Amanda Bynes has, like, great physical comedy. I know she's since come out saying that this movie was, like, really hard for her to watch after it was made and, like, led to her depression and kind of down spiral, which makes me really sad because she's so good in it. Um, But So she moves into the prep school and her roommate is the literally brand new to America's eyeballs Channing Tatum. Uh, And he plays Duke Orsinio, because now, in 2006, we live in a world in which people's first names are Duke, so it's, like, totally accepted. The rest of the plot really follows suit in terms of Viola cozying up to Olivia, who's this, like, pretty girl, to put in a good word for Duke, and then Olivia falls for Viola, pretending to be, quote-unquote, Sebastian, um, there's a brief attempt at like making the way that this ends believable, where Viola switches back into her female appearance and runs into Duke at a kissing booth, sparking a flame between Duke and what he thinks is Sebastian's sister. Um, and throughout, there are some of like adversaries who think something's amiss, and a subplot about Viola being a debutante. Um, but most importantly, there's like a lot of soccer and a lot about her wanting to be a good soccer player and working really hard at being a good soccer player set to OAR's love and memories, which <laughs> is made me literally laugh out loud. I was like, oh, OAR, forgot about you. <laughs> uh, but the film ends with Sebastian arriving back at school and he's mistaken, like the real Sebastian is mistaken by Olivia as the person she knows, you know, which is actually Viola, and so she kisses him and then that sparks this genuine hurt in Duke and a feud between Viola as Sebastian and Duke. This is sounding very confusing. And not, like it kind of is supposed to be. Exactly. All of these people are confused, and then the real Sebastian plays the big soccer game that his sister had been prepping for, and then she reveals that it's all been a lie, and everyone's like pretty weirded out, but also like, okay, let's move on with our lives. Um, then she sends him some Gouda cheese as an apology, which is... A serious joke within the movie, and I'll talk about later, is a joke that has endured for fifteen years. Uh, and then he accompanies her to become a debutante on her own terms, and then they dominate the soccer field. Uh, David Cross is also in this movie as their super goofy and inappropriate principal, who like it's just like a very slapstick, goofy role, and he did great.
0: He was sort of the Alice and Janney character. Of yeah, the
1: clueless the adult. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into how we really feel about these movies. Well,
0: the first thing I want to talk about, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, is why do we think there was this resurgence of Shakespeare plays as teen movies? Because this was a thing. This was a, an epidemic in the 90s and early 2000s. And it wasn't just teen movies. We had, what? We had um, another Franco Zeffirelli um, and Kenneth Branagh both did Hamlet. We had Ethan Hawke also playing Hamlet in 2000 with Julia Stiles. We had Kenneth Branagh doing Much Ado About Nothing and Othello. And we had the Richard Third adaptation with Ian McKellen. And then we had that... 2001 movie, Get Over It, with Kirsten Dunst yep. and Ben Foster and We tried to Cisco. find it.
1: It's not available for streaming in any capacity, so
0: otherwise, sorry would, we
1: brought it up. You would never dis- see it.
0: Yeah, otherwise we would have discussed it because it's based on a Midsummer Night's Dream. And it, there was just this renaissance. It just feels like there was this need
1: to appeal to teens. And not to say that this isn't very creative in the way that people retold it, but it was like... No, no need for new stories.
0: Yeah, and they all want you to know that they're based on Shakespeare yeah. plays. They aren't oh, even yeah. trying to do... Because you could make all of these movies and change the names completely. I mean, even Shakespeare's plays were based on Italian operas or stories that were long retold and retold. And so you could have just said loosely based on Shakespeare's Othello. Right. Or, but they decided to like use the same names or tried to cleverly insinuate the same, or- yeah. the same stories. Right. They wanted you to know. Like, there was that scene in O where they're studying Macbeth in a Shakespeare class because, of course, if you're going to do a Shakespeare movie, you have to have a Shakespeare class. They did the
1: same thing in Ten Things I Hate About You. <laughs> they
0: talked about sonnets. And uh, the teacher is mad because Josh Hartnett isn't paying attention, and she says, well, do you have anything to say about Shakespeare? And his response is, I thought that guy only did movies. Which, that was, I think, when I began
1: to turn against Josh
0: Hartnett in this
1: movie. I mean, as as a teen idol, I was like, okay, Josh, that's enough (laughs) out of you.
0: But, like, clearly the screenwriter thought he was being clever and being, like, commenting on this whatever... I don't even know what you call it. I haven't seen a Shakespeare adaptation... In the last five years.
1: Well, they did make Ten Things I Hate About You a short-lived TV show on ABC Family or yeah. Freeform or whatever the network is. I mean, it didn't last very long. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that... Well, I think that now we're seeing adaptations of a lot of other writers. Like, I think that the, the book adaptation the play adaptation, and the adaptation is, like, certainly not lost on us at all. Oh, yeah. Like, James Baldwin, obviously, is having, like, a huge moment right now.
0: Oh, 2019 is bereft of creativity. Right, right. For sure. I mean, we are not... I'm not saying that we are now in some sort of new, <laughs> <laughs> new storytelling age. I just thought it was really interesting that there was this crop... Turned to classics, yeah. It was, and... You mentioned when you were researching 10 Things They Hate About You that there was that Amy Heckerling influence, that her doing Clueless based on Emma yeah. was sort of, got everyone's attention. Right.
1: And she did it so well. I think, I think, for those of you who don't know, and to reiterate what Blight said, Amy Heckerling is the writer and director of Clueless, which came out in 1995, starring Alicia Silverstone and Brittany Murphy And it is a retelling. And Paul Rudd. (laughs) And it is a retelling of Emma, the Jane Austen novel. And I think that that was just like an idea that Amy Heckerling had been kicking around in her head for a really long time. Like when you hear her talk about it, she was just like, I don't know, I just felt like it could fit. And I felt like like it it was very much her looking at the Valley Girl culture and thinking like, how would this transpose with the Jane Austen world? And I think that that's something that these other movies don't necessarily do where they take one culture and then they put it on top of the other. And I think that Othello probably could have done that well. And like, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode, but there's certain aspects of all of the classic literature that can be teased out and put onto new or current cultures. And I think, yeah, I think Clueless was so successful And they were like,
0: oh my god, there's a million stories we can do. Mm -hmm. And even Clueless, there's a scene where they're talking about Macbeth. Or no, they're talking about Hamlet. And she goes, I think I recall Mel Gibson correctly. (laughs) And he didn't say that. That Thelonious guy did. So even Amy Heckerling, who was supposed to be doing a movie based on a Jane Austen novel, couldn't help but mention a Shakespeare movie. So this was a thing. And I just, I couldn't... Would you like to see this happen again? Yes. Like, I've, you, you yes. want them to just,
1: like, dig back up into everything.
0: I want more Shakespeare all the time.
1: So, I think that now, though, what we've had happen... Because I'm remembering there was, like, that Hamlet... No, it was a Macbeth with, um... Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, then there, there was a Hamlet that was made, but I forget who was in it. So now it feels like people are actually remaking... Yeah, I Shakespeare think, movies with, like, these big inflated budgets and they're making, like, these huge epic scenes and things like that. And it doesn't really seem like there's an appetite for that at I all. I do
0: think it's cyclical. I think people do it every, let's say, 15 years or so, where mm-hmm. they're like, okay, we haven't done a big Shakespeare mm-hmm. movie in a while.
1: Right, some agent's like, you know what would be cool? Let's redo Twelfth Night. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think um, I what I would like is more teen Shakespeare movies because that is clearly the thing that I am most interested in.
1: Is there one that hasn't been made into a movie that you think could transpose well onto teen life?
0: Um that's Sorry a to put good, you on No. The spot. Um, I think that I would actually really like to see a Midsummer Night's Dream done. Yeah. Um, I think not You could to,
1: do it instead of like summer camp.
0: Or like Coachella. You could do something oh my like God. really kind of you know, you get a little nuts with it.
1: Just to place us in a place in history right now, Beyonce's Homecoming came out this week. So, and we're in between Coachella yeah. weekend one and Coachella weekend two.
0: So, not th- I have no interest in ever attending Coachella. Being in the desert with a million no. strangers is my nightmare. But I would love a teen music festival movie that is. Either uses Shakespeare's language or also... Okay,
1: if anyone wants to finance this, like, we are open to it.
0: Come I at be, us. I'd be into it. Like, or it doesn't even have to be... It doesn't have to be Coachella. It could just be, like... I, I think the, there I think there's a market for this. Yeah. I think that this could be interesting. Cool. I don't know. Who uh, would
1: here first? <laughs> Someone else takes the idea because they I mean, got it
0: from us. You know that there's some crazy bitch like running around Coachella with wings, calling herself Titania. Like it's not that far off. A Burning Man. Oh, except Burning Man is so. Yeah, fraught. I don't want to see that. No, no, <laughs> I don't, don't want to see that.
1: Um, but okay. do we
0: think, apart from being interesting, Shakespeare adaptations? Like, do we think these are good teen movies?
1: Um. Do we want to go movie by movie yeah. to talk about yeah. it? Yeah. So, Blythe, I cede the floor to you a bit here. Blythe <laughs> and I have been streaming a lot of these movies and on some shared Prime accounts, and when we got to Romeo and Juliet, she was like, I already own it yeah. on Prime. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. So, I cede the floor to you to talk about... Uh, Your digital purchases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this movie uh, meant a lot to me growing up. I remember vividly buying the soundtrack. Before, like, I had seen posters for the movie. I was 10 when this movie came out, so okay. I wasn't getting with my friends together and going to see this movie. I think it was rated R. Like, I don't think my parents were really okay with no, I'm sure they, dropping me you know. off of the theaters for this. Um, so I remember buying the soundtrack and listening to it and then eventually buying the VHS without having even seen the movie. I was oh, just like interesting. I was like, I own this now. I don't need to see it in theaters in order to know that I must own this movie. Interesting. And I remember very vividly my brother making fun of me for buying the soundtrack. And because he was just like, you don't even listen to Radiohead. You don't know any of these bands. You only bought it for that stupid Love Fool song. It's not a stupid song. It's not. Yeah. Also, he wasn't wrong. I was 10. I right. wasn't into Radiohead. It's t- yeah. no. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. I, I would have been worried about you if you were. <laughs> I wasn't, like, taking baby aspirin and <laughs> listening to Radiohead. Like, So... This I just, I remember very distinctly being like, I own this movie now and I'm going to watch it all the time. And I did. And I don't know if that was a good thing that I was, like, 11 and watching this. Gang violence? Dramatized gang violence? But I was so impressed. Pressed with Leo and Claire, and I was so obsessed with their love story. They really pour their heart out into their performances. so good. Yeah. And they actually, they really do make the language come alive. I mean, I don't want to credit this for the reason that I like Shakespeare, but it did not hurt to see someone like Leonardo DiCaprio.
1: No. I
0: also think that giving these lines...
1: They've both gone on to have careers where they've done period pieces, and so they, like, have a command for pulling you into what could otherwise be complicated. Mm -hmm. Here, they're literally just, like, 17 and doing it, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: you... When you think about Romeo and Juliet, they're supposed to be really young, and they're supposed to have this lightning rod between them, and you're supposed to be... I honestly think, like, it's supposed to be 13-year-old girls' emotions that you're... Like, that's how you're supposed to feel. Like, I think if I... Watch put that fish tank scene on and put butterfly clips in my hair and got struck by lightning I would turn 13 like that is my <laughs> that's my body like 13 going on 30 moment that is how it would happen okay, for okay. me Wow. Um that is what this movie I'm means a little to worried me. about
1: you now. I'm taking
0: all the butterfly
1: clips like... out of your apartment when I leave. I don't have them anymore, Erin. I wish I did. There I'm like not having for... a comeback.
0: They're having okay. like a high fashion comeback, which kills me. I haven't gotten to that point yet. So I do think it's a good teen movie because of their chemistry and their innocence. They are just—they're so innocent and and just so yeah hormonally in love and crazy about each other. I think...
1: So, when I watched this movie as a teen, I just remember it feeling very long, and watching it as an adult, I was like, this is very long. And I think what I figured out it was, is, like, there's so much singing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many scenes in which we're focused on the singer yeah. while something else is happening. And, I mean, Boslerman is, like, a very stylized, great director... He's also directed some duds, so like, oh, I'm not sure. going to go out and see I I'm also like,
0: think that like his style is not for everyone. Right. Like, a
1: lot of people hated Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I did not. I'm not one of those people. I could watch that movie literally every day and never get tired of it. It just, I I've kind of felt like I was slogging through, which sounds so rude. Um, <laughs> but I think that like visually it felt really exciting when I was a teenager. And I still look back at it visually and like, I understand where you're coming from with the Grand Theft Auto comment, but I don't necessarily think that that's, like, a bad thing. Like, I think no. that we hadn't seen something like this for a mainstream audience.
0: No, I liked that yeah. about it. Oh, you liked it? Yeah, no, I thought style. it was... I mean, I don't know enough about that video game to comment, but I liked that style. Video, yeah, yeah. That um, and then also, I just mentioned this earlier, like, I remember
1: John Leguizamo very distinctly, and his performance just being, like, so emotional... And helped me understand this entire world of the play so much better. I understand this movie is important. I don't feel the need to rewatch it in the future.
0: Do you think it's a teen movie?
1: I kind of don't think it's a teen movie. That's fair. But that conflicts with the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes are teen icons of the 90s. So it's not a teen movie that they put teen icons in and then it went on to have the box office of a teen movie. But also we've learned from... The films that we've done so far, teen movies don't necessarily make a ton of money. Right. So, it does feel like this isn't a teen movie, and it didn't
0: perform as a teen movie. I have one final question about this Sure. Do you think Leo is hot or cute in this movie? Like, as an adult now? Both. Well, he's
1: adorable. You think he's cute? Yeah. But... At the end, when you ask, at the end of this episode, I was going to tell you that he is my biggest crush now of this because I just think, it's weird to say that I'm like proud of Leonardo DiCaprio because he's so rich and acclaimed, but like you look at this and you're like, wow, you like have gifted us with really just like excellence Mm -hmm. and he hasn't become like, he could have become a very different actor based on the way that he looks and the way that he performs in this movie, just kind of, like, very clearly sets him on a path.
0: Yeah. I think I had the reverse. I thought he was so hot when I was, like, growing up watching this movie. Yeah, no, yeah. And now I think he's, like, adorable. Yeah. Do you think he's cute now? Do I think Leonardo DiCaprio's cute now? Yeah. No.
1: Do you think he's handsome? Or hot like what's our vibe on Leonardo DiCaprio
0: in two thousand? Are we talking like The Departed, Leo? Or are we no, we're talking, talking about, like, like his present? Like we're talking about
1: banking Jonah Hill in West Hollywood wearing flip flops and a T-shirt and like weird beard and like a twelve-year-old model, the girlfriend. Sorry, not twelve-year-old, like a twenty-two-year-old.
0: Uh, no, the semi-bloated Knicks courtside, <laughs> Leo or Lakers courtside, whatever courtside. It's I would not. You would kick him out of your bed. Yes. Okay, got it. Based on looks alone, yes.
1: yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: There. I, I got a man. I don't need Leo. Yeah,
1: I know. I, it's just a figure of speech play. <laughs> uh,
0: so, the next movie is O. Um, o is weird. Uh, it is... I don't want to spend too much time on it, because I don't actually think it's a good teen movie, but... I was pretty into this movie when it came out because of Josh Hartnett. He was my teen heartthrob. He was... How Aaron feels about Freddie Prinze Jr. is how I I felt about Josh Hartnett. Um, And I actually think he did a really good job in this film. Boo! I do! He got the character of Iago. Despite having... Sociopath? Yes! Despite having shit writing. Yeah. Apologies to the screenwriter. No, he did. know. (laughs) He did a good job. Like... Iago's a really hard character, and the idea behind Iago is that he's supposed to be pure evil, but very measured. He's very in control of his emotions, whereas everyone else is just running wild, and he's able to capitalize on that, and that's how he's able to convince all these people that their jealousy is real, and they're really cheating on them, and they they should be really upset, and he's just sitting back... Hanging out. In this movie, he has birds for some reason. Um, like
1: pigeons. Pigeons
0: and a hawk that he steals. Which is
1: the weirdest plot edition where he, all of a sudden the hawk is in the tower with him and then they're at a game and they're like, the hawk isn't here. He was mysteriously stolen. <laughs> right. Why a team has a fake, has a hawk mascot, I don't know.
0: Yeah. And I, I actually think it was smart to set it in high school because I think that the the dangerous side of teen love is works well with the mm-hmm. plot of Othello because you have this obsessive, hormone-driven, if-I-can't-have-you-all-die feeling that is really illustrated in teen love. So I, I was into that. I was into the, that idea, but I just needed more from everyone. And I just I actually think they could have used Shakespeare's original prose, and it would have been a better... It would have been a different and better movie because I think you would have understood... Where all of the characters' motivations came from. Like, basketball is hard is not a good enough reason to commit multiple murders. Like, I love... I, so,
1: but do you... You tell me, as the Shakespeare expert, did he intend for this to escalate into murder?
0: Did, did jo, uh, yeah. Iago?
1: Yes, 100%. Hugo in- intended for this to escalate into yeah. murder. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. But, I mean, but the way... But the, we don't really know that until halfway through
1: yeah, you know <laughs> that he wants to like ruin him,
0: yes, no, but the intention was always to bring him down in in any way possible. actually, like the 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 more he can humiliate and the more he can destroy right. his life, the better. So Ugh. what was weird is that they tried to give him this like, I don't know, like daddy issues plot, and like I've seen a lot of directors try to make a create a backstory for Othello like. I've seen directors try to say that he's a self-hating closeted gay and he's in love with a fellow yeah. and that's why he tries to bring him down and and this Iago they tried to say that he, I don't know he seemed he was like a the equivalent of like a 4chan user. He was like a woman <laughs> hater. Like he was which he Iago does hate women and he hates like all sex and and any kind of like physical intimacy between humans. So That wasn't totally far off, but the whole dad thing, like the fact that the dad was the coach and his dad was really into O and really, you know, said really nice things about O and was meanwhile neglecting his own son. And there's like a a scene where Josh Hartnett is lurking in the shadows and he goes, who's your favorite now, dad? It was just so bad. It was just bad. It was bad. I tried to
1: make it like a Southern Gothic Shakespeare yeah. thing for teens. and
0: it, 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 There were too many layers. And it almost worked. It was like, it, it could yeah. have been there, and it just wasn't. And I, well, I think, so,
1: when I rewatched this, I truly wondered why I was, like, ever attracted to Josh Hartnett as a character. Like, oh. I just think he is so... Which makes me, now that I'm saying this out loud, think, like, oh, he was just so cute that I didn't care that he was a total
0: sociopath in this movie. Yes, I also am disturbed by how much I was like, okay. With yeah, that. I was
1: like, is he the good guy?
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know what I thought yes. when
1: I was younger watching he movie. He has to be the good yeah. guy. He's Josh Hart. Not, not possible if he wasn't the good guy. Um, yes. I also am saddened that Martin Sheen is in this movie. Like, what is going on? He's a very he good plays, actor. He plays the
0: coach, Dad. Um,
1: so, that was kind of a head-scratcher throughout. Um, and then, I... Because when I rewatched it, I was like, I know that I've seen this movie, a lot of these details... Like, I feel like I didn't, like, pay attention to teen movies when I was a teen. Like, it was, like, in a lot of sense, if it wasn't great, it was just kind of on. Sure. Or
0: you watched it as sleepovers, so people were talking, and there was, like...
1: I definitely didn't watch this at sleepovers. That's fair. But what I distinctly I I remember is the scene where O shoots himself, and it does that weird, like, stop motion thing.
0: Yeah, It's so weird.
1: And I remember, all of a sudden, like, I got a visceral flashback to, like, watching it in the house that I grew up in, and I was like, oh, I was confused by this then. I'm confused by this now. This doesn't... It seems like the movie has ended. Like, it's like a freeze frame as if we are done now. And then, it's not over. There's, like... 4 minutes left of like Josh Hartnett's voiceover and it's just like in a movie that doesn't have any other stylized segues or yes. anything like that it is so weird it's it feels like it was a choice that was made to amplify a gunshot wound and in 2019 there's obviously a lot to look like look at about a black man being shot because of a white man's actions that we didn't really need. We don't really need that. Yeah. Visual, and I don't really think we needed it in two thousand and two. No, no. um, so that made me feel like this was an after-school special. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and also something that I really want to talk about is that as a preteen or. Yeah, I would have been a preteen when this came out. It didn't really make me feel great. Like, I can remember watching it, and it wasn't, like, a sad movie that, like, tore me up inside. I was like, this is not... This doesn't make me feel great about things. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I rewatched it, there's just a lot to unpack around the way that women are treated sexually, and there's a lot of dynamics that are used there that ultimately lead to Desi being humiliated and murdered, and I just think that it's really tactless in the way that it covers that and like it really minimizes people who julia styles was kind of a movie star at this point in time and like sure she was young and i just think that we could have given her more and like i just didn't like the way that they handled sex between Of couple. Oh, yeah. Conceptual sex was just not presented in a way. When I was growing up, my mom used to pause (laughs) movies that she felt like warranted a conversation and be like, okay, girls, let's talk about X, Y, Z. And like in rewatching this, I was like, I definitely didn't watch this with my mom because (laughs) she would have paused and been like, let's talk about autonomy. Yeah.
0: And I think in the play, Othello, Emily, Emilia and Desdemona actually have a lot more agency and they have yeah. a lot more conversations between the two of them about what their husbands are doing and what's, go- what, what's wrong with them. And that obviously is not apparent in O. I mean, there's... <laughs> Josh Arnett has a line where he goes, white girls are snakes, they're horny snakes. Yes, <laughs> yes, that line is so... Horrible for a movie for teenage girls. Oh, okay. But but also like, Ugh. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was. Again, it's not played for humor, but I know. <laughs> but it's. I'm just saying, Iago is a difficult character to play. I think Josh Hartnett did it well. I don't think this is a good teen movie. Not a teen movie. But I am. I think it belonged in the conversation. Oh, totally. Because these are some teen mega stars. Yeah. Yeah. And Mackay Pfeiffer, like, he like Othello also is a very like famous character to play and he got such shit for lines. He didn't get to yeah. do anything with this character. And it was just such a disappointment because I think that this could be really good. Yeah, Mackay Pfeiffer like hasn't stopped working since he was
1: in this movie. Like he's been on every television show and, since. and I
0: think he was well cast. I just think that there was totally he's so charismatic.
1: He, I actually think he's acting circles around Josh Hartnett in certain scenes, but he's just not able to say anything other than like, "I want to play basketball, man." And it's like, yeah, come and on. I love her. I love Desi. I'm obsessed with yeah, her. I would do anything for her. I'd never hurt her. Oh, then you killed her. Okay, let's move on to the real heart warmer of the bunch: Ten Things I Hate About You. Um, I just want to. Say that when I rewatched this last Sunday, I text Blythe and I said, oh my God, Club Skunk, which is a bar that they go, that Heath Ledger goes to find Julia Stiles' character at because she's at a concert. I said, Blythe, oh my God, I am 29 years old and I just realized Club Skunk is a lesbian bar. I don't know. I've rewatched this movie probably once a year for, since I've seen it. Like, it, yeah. I just come to it a lot. That's that. I don't know how I was just like, this is just a cool bar that ladies hang out at. That's Which what is what lesbian me. bars
0: are, but they're also lesbian bars. Yeah. And I was like, totally... Like, if you had told me I haven't watched this, this since 1999, no. I would have been like, okay. I certainly You didn't catch it the you. first time. No. But the fact that you were just now i have definitely seen this
1: movie... Ten
0: times. Especially but. because he says I I can't be caught at yeah. skunk. That, that, was that was what was tipped so embarrassing. me. Off. That was what tipped me off to it. I was like,
1: why doesn't he want to go there? Oh my god, it's a Less bar in Seattle, you don't say. Um, uh, so this movie is iconic. It is yeah. probably top Five. Entertainment, Entertainment two Weekly movies. put it in there, put it as 49 on their top 100 movies. And when Blythe and I saw that when we were first ideating on the podcast, we were like, fell off our bar stools, and we decided that we needed to have this podcast just to avenge that ranking. Yeah,
0: and here we are. We have the mic Avenging now. Avenging
1: it. We have the mic now, Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Screw you. I don't even know where to start with this Um, movie. It's obviously a great teen movie. It's also, I think, a really good Shakespeare adaptation. You have Keith Ledger in leather pants, which was supposed to like show that he was like hyper masculine and like didn't but cool and edgy. Didn't care what
1: people thought about him.
0: But it was also like very effeminate to have like a big man like walking around in these like super tight leather pants. And he he looks great. He looks incredible. So many spaghetti strap dresses and tank tops. There's a comment about the Prada backpacks and the Skechers. And I even watching it was like, Do we... no, I don't know anyone with a Prada backpack. No, no, I don't either.
1: <laughs> we live in New York City. <laughs> that is
0: really expensive. Um, I also remember Bianca's prom outfit being very similar to something I wore to my first freshman dance. Do you have a photo? God no, Erin. Oh, That's God. thank God I didn't live in a time when things are. Oh no, goodness. no, no. But here's the thing, and this is what happens when you have a, an older brother and no older sisters, and you only watch teen movies and you don't like hang out with people that much, <laughs> is you think that you're supposed to wear like a foofy oh. dress to your first freshman dance. Oh my. my first freshman dance was a sweaty booze fest in our basement cafeteria where everyone was wearing jeans and tank tops. And I looked like a fucking nightmare. Oh, life, I wasn't
1: realizing that it wasn't a formal dance. It no, it was just, a, it regular was just a
0: regular dance. But I didn't know the distinction. No one told me. No one was like... How did
1: your brother not tip you off to this? He wasn't It was.
0: was He wasn't a big dance guy, so oh, he, yeah. it wouldn't even have occurred to him. And I wasn't like, hey, what should I wear to the dance? I was just like... I'm going to go to this dance and like I have this fun friffy skirt and this weird non-half shirt thing that it was very similar. Oh no, Erin, it was humiliating. That's not good. (laughs) I'm so sorry. But I learned my lesson and then all the dances were fun after that because I knew I could just wear jeans. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. Um, I also love the dad in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think he is a shining star.
1: He does a few things that are like... Could be a little
0: problematic, but he goes so
1: over the top with them that it's played for a laugh. And then he does have a very heartwarming scene at the end with Kat, but, like, the belly is
0: forever, like, just an amazing scene. If you haven't seen The Things I Hate About You, he's an OBGYN, and he makes his daughters walk around the house with a fake pregnancy belly so that they understand the ramifications of their actions should they choose to kiss a boy. (laughs) And it's pretty funny. It's
1: really funny. And just like all the things that are going on around it, like when he Ledger's at the door and he's like, who knocked your sister up? And Larissa <laughs> looks at it, What's her last name? Olnick. Olnick.
0: Just like gives this look that is like,
1: oh God.
0: I saw her at a bar in Brooklyn like four years ago and I was, I was starstruck. <laughs> Were you? Yes. W- what bar? <laughs> Muggsy's Ale House? In, oh, in Williamsburg. Yeah.
1: Interesting.
0: And, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. When you lived over there. Yeah. But one of my favorite lines that the dad has is he's telling Bianca Bianca's trying to explain to him that their life is not normal. It's not normal that you get to dictate whether or not your
1: daughters teenage daughters
0: date. date and that they can't date until they graduate high school. Like he says she's she like, That's not point. normal. She has a point. He goes, What's normal? Those damn Dawsons River kids sleeping <laughs> in each other's beds every night. I was like that spoke to me so much because I'm such a huge Dawson's Creek fan, so I got that joke. It
1: also feels like that's really writers doing their homework, which is the number one. I, ask. Yes, it's thank your you. Number one. Ask. Thank
0: it's you very movie. much to the writers of all of my favorite movies. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. of course, they would do it right. Karen and Kirsten, oh, amazing.
1: Um,
0: I think that this, this is a great teen movie,
1: and I think that one of the, I mean, be, even though it has so many iconic scenes, I think that what it does in its character development and in the way that the actors really portray well, I'd say all of them. Well, like the main four. um, Is that you can be in high school and you can make mistakes and change your mind and you can grow. And I don't think that we get that so much in teen movies. Um, We more so get people like deciding to make a change and that's kind of like how the movie ends. But this movie really shows, like, the shifts in each of the characters, like, based on responding to their environment. Um, Except for Joey. (laughs) And, um, you know, we mentioned that it celebrated its 20th anniversary this year. um, And, like, the amazing pop culture think pieces that have been written about it. And I highly recommend the Rebecca Fishbein article um, on Jezebel that was published last month. And it praises the film's representation of just kind of different personalities and the cool factor that this movie gave to misfits or just people who don't fit into a stereotypical teen mold. Um, it talks a lot, the article talks a lot about how high school is really about coming into your own and how Kat is so emboldened by her otherness and how she's kind of thinks that she's already... Um, in her own and and how just it played to audiences then and, and kinda still does. Um when I rewatched this movie, like I was smiling ear to ear like cuddled up on my couch and it just it gives me like warm and fuzzy nostalgia feelings um for when I was a teen and watching this movie. And I look back and I just think like we Like, Heath Ledger is just such magic and such a... I understand the teen phenomenon that was sparked with, like, every magazine cover once he was in this movie. Like, it all just makes so much sense. Um, The grin, the hair, the the everything. It was... The accent. Yeah.
0: The accent. Like, his Australian accent just, like, cannot be overlooked. Um, This movie would not have been the same without. No, there is no they one They were going to cast Ashton Kutcher in it. God no.
1: Yeah, it just it would have been a different movie. Um and like I'm just continuously sad to live in a world without continual Heath Ledger. Um I also Matt, I know you've listened to one episode, maybe you'll listen to more. Matt is Aaron's boyfriend. Matt's my boyfriend. Um, I would really, really, really love to go on that paint date, like, because I was re-watching it, and I was like, oh my god, this paint date is like... You want to go paintballing? No, it's not paintballing. They have balloons. They're very gentle. They don't hurt. I'm pretty
0: sure they're just paintballing, No, right? they're
1: not. There's no guns. They just have, like, a purse filled with ball- balloons filled with paint, and they just smash them onto things. And I... Yeah. Why are you looking
0: at me like that? I just that? thought it was paintballing.
1: There's no gun, boy. There's no gun. <laughs> Um, yeah, it just, I, like, was re-watching it, and I was like, oh, my God, this date shaped what I want from every date, but,
0: I mean, I've never done that, so. You just want to Matt, get, let's go paint ballooning. Paint you just want to get hit in the face with paint. Yeah. I think Matt can make that happen. Okay, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Um, I also think we have to talk about the soundtrack because it was... Ooh, another... letters to Cleo. Wow, 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 wow. I also just realized watching this and Romeo and Juliet and maybe watching a couple of episodes of Dawson's Creek just for nostalgia reasons, that I only listened to movie and TV soundtracks yeah. for most of well, my life. Well, the in internet way.
1: wasn't like a thing, like the way that it is now. So that's how we got... Yeah, informed by how things sounded. Like, you could read about things in a magazine, but then you'd have to, like, go onto LimeWire and download it. And that was just too much of a right. risk to take. No, I you mean, you didn't like, know
0: how the song sounded. I listened to my brother's CDs. I listened to the soundtracks of all these movies. Yeah. And I listened to my Mariah Carey albums.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was, really?
0: like, kind of it. Oh,
1: boy. And some other,
0: like, Riot Girl music that I probably got well, turned on to on Life's first
1: concert, I think she. Quietly said this in an episode, but Blyth's first concert was Lilith Fair. It was, yeah. So, she listened to other music than teen movies. It was well, just Lilith Fair adjacent yeah. content.
0: Yeah, I think everyone's familiar with the Jewel story, but I don't have to go over <laughs> that again. Uh, no, this soundtrack is incredible. It's so good. It just gives me the feels. This movie gives me the feels. Yeah. And the, the actors are great, and... I also think it was very the tongue-in-cheek and teen movie in a fun way. Like when they're doing the clicks, and it's like, here are the cowboys, oh, yeah. here are the future MBAs, here are the I that. Java guys. Like they're obviously poking fun at that stereotypical scene in teen movies. Yeah, where it's like, this is where the jocks hang out. This is where the cool girls are. It's like, here are the Rastafarians. Oh my God, that's amazing, Sam. <laughs> and I think that the teacher is... And the parents and everyone—it's—they're all in on the joke, and it's really fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I also uh, moving on to *She's the Man*. I I enjoyed rewatching it. I had seen it once before, but I didn't remember it that well. Mm-hmm. And I had a good time rewatching it. I will say, alcohol helped. Yeah. Okay. So, did you watch this movie alone? No, I watched it um, with. Your boyfriend and my boyfriend, who are watching The Masters, and I was watching She's the Man at the same time.
1: And did you, like, share with them what was happening? Oh, yeah. I actually
0: asked Matt to vet several of the soccer scenes because I couldn't tell if it was good soccer or not. I was like, is this how this is supposed to go? What was his takeaway? He said it was. Interesting. He said, no, people do that. No, that's accurate. Oh, yeah. So I was happy to, cause I didn't, I don't really know that much about soccer. So the coach,
1: the coach of the Illyria team, is actually like a real soccer. Player. Oh yeah,
0: English Premier League, and he's yeah. a great actor. Yeah, great actor. He really carries
1: some of the, he really carries some of the scenes that kind of like unspool a little bit with like logistics. He like pulls it back together. Yeah,
0: and he's in like Snatch and Lock Stock and Two Smoking oh, Barrels. I didn't know that. He's like a legit big guy, richie guy. Oh yeah, he loves that his footballers. Uh, But I really liked it. And I will say that my only... And I think we... Shakespeare asks us to suspend disbelief a lot. So I did not have any issue with suspending disbelief about Amanda Bynes' like... Getting away with being her brother or the fact that, like, why wasn't she, Did anyone care that she wasn't at school for two weeks? Like, no one cared about her missing her classes or anything? It's true. But, like, I'm okay with that because Shakespeare asks a lot of us all the time in terms of suspending disbelief. So, I was all right with that. Which I... What I did not understand or appreciate is why she just started having a southern accent anytime she was trying to do a guy voice. <laughs> It was really perplexing. Yeah,
1: I feel like that's an Amanda Bynes, like, shtick. It was, like, it was like okay. very Amanda Show-esque. I don't okay. know if you watched the Amanda Show or if it was, like, a little after your time.
0: Was it a derivative of SNICK? Or a... It of was all a derivative
1: all that? of all... She's okay. all that, yeah. yeah. I am not she's all that. So, <laughs> whoopsies. A, der- a derivative of all that, yeah.
0: Yes. yes. Um, I think I watched it briefly, but then I might have aged out of it. <laughs> Clearly, I aged out of it into other teen things,
1: so... Yeah, I think when I was rewatching this, I was like struck by Amanda Bynes's like comedic
0: guts, if yeah, no, you will. She has really impressive comedic timing.
1: Yeah, and she really goes for it and like does a lot of things that are gross-ish. And it just made me kind of think about like, did Amanda Bynes prime millennial women for like Broad City, like did like did she make us okay with finding girls? Like a lot of things did, obviously. Like you can't minimize like Kristen Wiig and bridesmaids or Amy Schumer, but it does feel like Amanda Bynes like has a place in that.
0: Interesting. I when I watched this movie and I I could really felt like Amanda Bynes was channeling Lucille Wall. Yeah. I was like, this is what she's doing, and she's doing it really well, and I was super impressed. So I don't know necessarily that she wasn't doing anything. That hadn't been done before, but the fact that she was doing it amongst all of these like really, I don't know, like glamorous, glamorous cookie cutter yeah. like, you know, she was really going for it, and I it was exciting to watch.
1: Yeah. So Blythe and I were um, like, I was gonna turn seven. I was sixteen, turning seventeen when the movie came out. Blythe would have been. It was in college. In college. So... Just watching (laughs) TV movies. A little bit, it felt like the cultural impact of this movie was lost on us, but I specifically remembered, like, how important it was to my sister and her friends, who are about three years younger than me, like, three grades younger than me. And so, I actually talked to them this week about the movie, and let me tell you, like, they had so much to say, and I feel like I like derailed their weeks by bringing it up, because I was like, are you guys, do you need to go home and watch this right now? And they were like, yeah, kind of. Um, so the thing that was amazing to me is they all had incredibly distinct memories about the first time that they saw it, oh, which is so, so special. And they were all different, um, and they said that they regularly quote the movie. Like, there's lines in it that they quote... And in certain social, like, my sister was like, sometimes I think I can, like, land a joke. And then I'm like, no, these aren't my people. They don't understand it. <laughs> um, yeah. So some of those specific quotes that they loved were like, Chew, like, you have a secret where she's, like, eating and, like, with her mouth open. And then she just smiles as a yes. response. Yes. Um, uh, and then my favorite cheese is Gouda, which is the, uh, Yeah. Blythe put on her little letter board, do you like cheese? Which is a scene that they have when Channing Tatum, who his character is like not confident with girls, which is like hilarious, hilarious. but I also like, like, sure, let's talk about gender norms because I think that that movie did. A good. So my sister said that the first time that she watched it, she was like, oh, I remember I, I watched it for the first time when it came out on DVD and my friend brought the DVD to our birthday party and I watched it. Once with my friends, and then I watched it two more times before the end of the day, and then I had to bring the DVD to school on Monday. Like, that was her weekend. Oh, my It was, God. like, birthday party. Oh, no, it, w- it wouldn't have been in school because she's a summer baby. Um, And then one of her friends, and I love and know my sister's friends quite well, so this is, was, like, extra hilarious to imagine them, to, like, re- remember them at, like, 13 and 14 and just, like, now know their inner lives, And so one of her friends, who is the oldest of four, (laughs) said, she was like, I remember leaving the movie theater physically swooning, and I (laughs) got home, and I changed the desktop picture on our family computer to a shirtless photo of Channing Tatum, which just cracks me up because her siblings were, like, very young. And she was just insistent that it be the background.
0: That's such a power play. Like, I imagine her dad walking in and being like, this is our screensaver now. Okay, <laughs> yeah, well... Exactly. Yes, okay. Um, I'm just here to check my email. All right. That's, honey, the shirtless man is still on our computer screen. Gotta, gotta make the 14-year-old happy. Um, and I then love that. And her
1: friend... Her friend, Melissa, who's like a family friend, her older sister, my friend, Sarah. Sarah's birthday is actually today. Um, so my friend, Sarah her younger sister is the same age as my sister and was one of my sister's best friends as well, so I spent a lot of time at their house, and I just remember, like, huge Channing Tatum posters in Melissa's room, Mm. so I was like, I really want to hear what Melissa has to say about this. (laughs) (laughs) And she, like, doubled down on everything that everyone else said, but then she told me a story that really cemented this movie as a teen icon movie. So, Melissa, like, was a tremendous athlete, and she... Talked about how on her youth, like, 13 soccer team, she was like, we always made the championships and we always got the worst fields and, like, the worst times because the boys got the best and the boys sucked and it was, like, this two-year saga it felt like leading up to high school when this movie had come out and our coach, who I I know the coach and he has three super cool daughters, so she was like, the coach was like, Let's challenge the boys' team. And so they challenged the boys' team and they won. And Melissa was like, I still think, like, she was like, it it was a huge driver for every female athlete I knew in middle school. That's incredible. Yeah. She was like, it drove us to be like, we can play with the boys. We're better than the boys.
0: I know. That's awesome. That's really encouraging to hear. I had no idea that that. This movie would have had that kind of impact. I thought it was just, like, a fun Me too. Romp, Me but too. that's really
1: cool. Okay, um, so... And, like, I just think that, like, the film has a 43 on Rotten Tomatoes. So like, obviously, it's not a Whatever. great film. But I think that as far as the, be- like, the benchmarker for a great teen movie, like, these women who are 27, 26, 27... Or still referencing the movie and talking about what it meant for their, like, personal achievements. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: It's like a great teen movie. It sounds like it's their Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Except I feel like this one
1: with the soccer plot has, like, a little more substance than Ten Things...
0: Although... I don't know. Ten she- Things I Hate About You. She saw about college
1: exactly. and playing the guitar
0: and... Yeah. And is super motivated to... Get the fuck out of Seattle. Which, like,
1: why? We all want to move to Seattle. Not really. <laughs>
0: no. Okay, awards. Awards. Oh,
1: do we have anything left to say about these
0: movies? No, I'm just glad that I got to rewatch it under this lens, because I don't think I would have otherwise. I and I came out feeling, like, very positive about teenage girls in general. I yeah. I think they're given a, not a good edit sometimes, or, like, are demarginalized or underappreciated. Totally. In the teen world universe and in real life. So, I just think teen girls are amazing. And look at what they can do. And maybe I'm just high on Beachella. Maybe I'm just (laughs) high on Beyoncé's Homecoming. No. But I think that... We love teen movies that aren't just about girls liking boys. Right. And I love... But I also love that, like, a girl, a teen girl can have, like, such a huge crush on an actor that they have no connection with. And it's like, okay, family, we now (laughs) worship Channing Tatum. Everyone, (laughs) fall in line to the new order. That is some fucking power, and that should not be ignored. She sent me the photo, and I'll put it on Instagram, because... Yeah. She was like, wow, seeing this picture really brings back
1: memories. (laughs) That's the (laughs) one. (laughs) It's so great. I love it. Yeah. All right. let's get to the
0: awards. So Erin, what was your most true-to-life teen moment?
1: So I actually, this is like an exaggerated version of it, but when Gabrielle Union is pleading with um, Bianca's dad to like let her do stuff, it does, in my mind I was like, why can't you just go to the party without her? But it's like, no, when you have like a really good friend in high school, you're like, Why am I living by your parents' rules? Like, but you are. You, like, just kind of wander with your friend. And so if they have a strict parent, you're just, like, stuck by those rules. Yeah, that's true. And sometimes I think that my parents didn't make as many rules on me because my friends had strict parents. So, like, like, the rules...
0: I was already following somebody else's rules. Oh, that's smart of them. They're like, we can seem cool and lenient because we know these other parents are (laughs) going to step up and like (laughs) be the bad guy.
1: It was like, well, there's like a low risk exposure because if you're hanging
0: out with these people, they already have these rules. I like that. That's that's very smart. My most true life teen moment was cats devotion to riot girl music i was really into girl groups and lilith fair as aaron already <laughs> mentioned and um and like feminist poetry her obsessions with sylvia plath I, if you remember me in high school i was that annoying white girl that was mm-hmm. like what about Bro- the bronte sisters oh my god <laughs>
1: It's good we met when we did. I would not have liked you in high school, and I would have told you that, and that would have cost. It's good. Attention.
0: It's good that we evolved past high school. It's true. Yes, absolutely.
1: What was your least true to life teen moment?
0: <laughs> um, so I just said your answer, which is the, which <laughs> is the correct answer. <laughs> Mine was. Anyone being as good looking as Heath Ledger going to my high school. Yeah, but it is always a dream that you'll get
1: like a cute transfer student.
0: Yeah. But, but it
1: never happens. It's, it's
0: never Heath fucking Ledger. No, no. Erin, what was your answer? I said, um,
1: murder? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I cannot relate to a murder plot.
0: Ow. Right, yeah. Not even a little bit. I, I, I should have considered, um, oh, more. So that felt carefully. a little... <laughs> Oh, boy. I don't know, me, like, dressing up like my brother and becoming him and playing a soccer game, like, that was pretty true to life.
1: No, it wasn't. No,
0: I'm just, I'm just joking.
1: I feel like you, it would have been played for humor in your real life, too. You would have shown up, like, I could when I imagine your youth, I feel like there is a world in which the Kennedy siblings went
0: to each other's activities, and we're like,
1: LOL, I'm not Kai.
0: Oh, no, but no one would ever mistake me for Kai. Right, it's but, like, but no
1: one would really mistake Amanda Bynes for her
0: brother. Yeah, n- But, like, really, really would not. I mean, it. we don't look alike. Yeah. We are, I mean, someone would have been like, Kai, the troll under the bridge is here to see you. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> don't talk about
1: yourself like that.
0: Only in middle school. Everyone looked like a troll under bridge in middle oh, school, God. except for my brother, who was an Abercrombie Fitch model. Thank Ugh. you very much, we'll Mom.
1: Have to, <laughs> we'll have to spend an episode.
0: Maybe I'll put that on Instagram.
1: Please.
0: That'll be, that'll be
1: sweet. That'll, that'll up
0: our followers. Sweet revenge for a brother who never did anything that would be nice to but me. But he did make our theme song, so thank that's you guys. True, that's true. No, he's always been great to me. All right, what was uh what's the get out of room award for best expression of teen So,
1: I actually thought that this was just the best expression of like teen feelings. It's when Cameron drives Bianca home from the party. I alluded to this earlier and she's just been like a total bitch and like n- not mean, but just an oblivious sophomore in high school, like self-absorbed. She, yeah. And he's being so nice, and then he gets really demoralized and just kind of shuts down, and she says something like, what's wrong? And he really gives it to her in a way that's like... First of all, the fact that it's delivered by Joseph Gordon-Levitt makes it come from a better
0: place than it would from any other actor. He feels the most earnest of all of the characters.
1: Yeah, but it it, it goes in line with that, like growing and improving. And, like, he points out these things that she does and the way that it impacts other people in a way that um, isn't meant to serve him. It's like, well, this clearly isn't going anywhere, so you should know that the way that you treat people is really indecent. Yeah. And then, of course, she kisses him because he says such sweet things. Honest, Honest things. Honest things.
0: That was a great um, scene. Yeah. I also remember, like, when I was re-watching it, i thinking, I remember this scene, and it is... The moral compass of the yeah, movie, totally. It's really special, and I'm glad that it exists. My uh, my award was for Claire Danes as Juliet going off on her parents when they're trying to marry her to Paris. I don't know if people remember this scene as well as I do, but it is some supreme yelling, angry crying, and only the way that Claire Danes. Oh happen. my God! It is just a work of art. I mean she is freaking the fuck out. Which makes sense. Like her her cousin just died and her husband of you know three minutes <laughs> and she's 15 and like life is super confusing. I get it where she's coming from. Yeah. But it for was real. that's for me there's no question.
1: like I'd like to ask you what you consider to be like the best nod to Shakespeare.
0: Oh, so as we said, all these movies are really Adamant about you knowing that this is a Shakespeare movie, and they try to think of like clever ways of showing you that. Like in "She's a Man," they name the restaurant Cesario's, yeah. and Cesario is like a character that isn't that is in the play that's not in the movie. Uh, there's also a character names the character <laughs> Malvolio names his tarantula Malvolio, who is also a character that isn't in uh, yeah. the movie that's in the play, um, and then in Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann is, like, really extra about it. He names all of the shops and all of the posters are lines from other Shakespeare plays. He names the pool hall where Leo and his crew hang out at the Globe, which is where Shakespeare famously staged all of his plays. Cat um, does the sonnet, the famous, I
1: don't hate you even yeah. a little
0: bit, not even at all, sonnet. And, and then her best friend um, is... Decides to dress as an Elizabethan, like, lady, lady for prom, and that kind of, like, she's, like, obsessed with Shakespeare, and that's sort of there. Yeah, and her
1: best friend is played by, what's her name?
0: Alicia May.
1: Susanna May. Oh, Susanna
0: May Pratt? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And she was in Drive Me Crazy. Yes, as the bitch, Alicia. She's also in Center Stage, which I now have a personal goal, which is my entry, working in Center Stage every episode. Well, they can um, just listen to On Point, our Center Stage. Yeah, coming December. summer. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's in 10 Things I Hate About You.
0: So I, I just I just found those all to be very funny. And oh, like they mentioned Macbeth, Macbeth in a scene, and that's about it. But uh, I think She's the Man Takes It. I really do. It, they were just like... They seem to be having the most fun oh, with yeah. it. Um, in terms of like... Wink, wink. We're doing Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, naming the tarantula more, Malvolio was
1: Pretty one of hilarious. my...
0: I, th- that cracked me up when I first heard it. We have a Stockard Channing Award to give out this
1: week. Um, it's one of our two awards that isn't necessarily always going to be present but it's for a teen an actor who is not even close to being a teen when they are playing a teen and blythe you can give this one out
0: makai Fiverr takes it he was 27 years old when he <laughs> started it's time to play fuck Mary kill blythe. yes okay so aaron do you want a 10 things i hate about you oh wow. option or do you want a she's the man option 10 Things I Hate About You. Okay. All right. I thought you might say that. Okay. So I'm going to ask for you, Fuck, Mary, Kill, Patrick Verona, aka uh, yeah. Heath Ledger. Yeah. Joey Eat Me Donner, Ugh. Andrew Keegan. Or Michael, JGL's best friend. I would marry Michael. Played by David Crumholtz.
1: Yeah. I would marry Michael. Okay. Michael's going to lead me to a life of success.
0: Wow. I strongly believe Even though that. he's like kind of a cheese ball.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Wife. We have a movie about teen. We have a podcast about teen movies. I don't think we can judge cheese balls. That's fair. Uh, definitely sex with Patrick Verona. Wow. Of course. Okay. Goodbye, Joey. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, all right. So that was kind of an even. I don't
1: think that I could be married to Patrick Verona. I no? think that his shtick would bother me. Oh. I think I'd be like, enough with the motorcycle dude.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Are you ready for your
0: Yes, episodes. Okay. I went
1: across I went across episode or movies. Okay. We have Channing Tatum.
0: Wow. Josh Hartnett. Heath Ledger. Okay, and now are they the characters that they play or are they the actors at the time? Oh. Actors at the time. Actors at the time. Wow. Okay. Channing Tatum, Heath Ledger, and Leo? Oh Josh Hartnett. Oh, Josh Hartnett. Leo just,
1: like, feels a little too young to, like, include in this.
0: No, that's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, oh, my God. Okay. This is very difficult.
1: I know. Wow. I know. This is this is actually the exact type of conversation I'm sure I had in
0: 2004, so. I would marry Heath Ledger. I would sleep with Josh Hartnett. And I would kill Channing Tatum. Oof. Sorry. Sorry, especially to the wonderful ladies that came before after me and worship Janning Tatum I just
1: he's not for you
0: he was not my teen dream okay this is me trying to fulfill what does 13 year old life want got it
1: I got you um ready to give out oh the biggest crush award
0: yeah I mean in middle school it was Josh Hartnett and now it's Patrick Verona for me
1: yeah my middle school crush was definitely like Joseph Gordon-Levitt that's so cute I know I know. That's so cute. <laughs> I love young me for that. Um, but it's true. And then, but now, like, I really have a big crush on Leonardo DiCaprio because I just think that I didn't fully appreciate him when he was, like, a young, golden-haired prince of Hollywood. Yeah. I don't. I just wish I had appreciated the Leo early years more.
0: It's not too late, Erin. We're no. going to watch a lot of Leo. It, right, right. Yes. We're going to see a lot of Leo. We
1: are going to see a lot of Leo.
0: Late to the game. (laughs) All right, let's give out some superlatives. We have most dramatic, best couple, and couple most likely to succeed, where the fate's not written in the stars. Um, Blythe and I are united on most dramatic. Oh, yeah. Claire Danes, for all the reasons I mentioned before for her get-out-of-my-room speech, the best ugly crier in the game.
1: Way to go, Claire.
0: She's just
1: breathtaking. Way to go. And she's continued that cry throughout her career.
0: Oh, yeah. Homeland. Homeland. Who is your best couple?
1: I think Kat and Patrick are the best couple. I root for them the most. I'm the most elated when they get back together. I'm the most devastated when they break up. Like, totally rooting for them the okay. most.
0: They were my couple most likely to succeed, mm-hmm. were their fates not written in the stars. My uh, best couple is Claire and Leo. They are Romeo and Juliet. They sure. are the best couple. Sure. My, they have the best chemistry.
1: My Yeah, that they do. Their children. I mean, I'm just saying. It just makes my cynical mind be like, "Don't do it." They
0: even said though on set, like later, that the chemistry between them was so palpable that it almost scared them, and they had to like back away a little bit. Oh God, I know. Of course they. Said of course that. they.
1: Said. <laughs> <laughs> to like, Y Seventeen magazine. What was the name of that magazine?
0: Well, there was that. I want to say Y's, oh, Y's, YM, YM. YM. Y7 and, is a yoga studio. Yes. <laughs> YM was young and modern.
1: Yeah. My most likely to succeed were their Fates Not Running the Stars couple was Viola and Duke because I felt like they, even though there's a lot of weirdness around it, like they saw each other for who they really were. That's why they had a great friendship. And then he was like, oh, you're a girl. Now I'll be in love with you.
0: Plus, they both love soccer. They loved soccer. And they that will carry them through a lot. Yeah. They're play... Yeah. That's... Their love of the game. That's amazing. All right.
1: What's your... Who's your crown... Who's your crown king and queen of the episode? Olivia from
0: She's the Man and Michael from... Olivia... Oh. From O. Olivia from She's the Man. The, the bitchy girl? No.
1: The pretty blonde girl. The night Oh, the nice girl. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Her and Michael from oh.
0: Oh, oh, Michael Cassio. Yeah. Wow. Okay. He's, he's well liked. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't deserve to die. Oh, I didn't I didn't see that coming. He's a sophomore. Are you gonna nominate a sophomore for home for prom king? Definitely. Wow, okay. Uh my prom king was Bianca Strap. She's a sophomore! <laughs> <laughs> you walked right into that one. Um she was invited to the prom though. She was invited to the prom. She was the only sophomore invited to the prom. Yeah. So she turned down Joey and then really knew her place. So, I did walk right into that. Um, I just think that she would campaign it. for it, yeah. oh, want yeah. it the most, uh, it would be, she would just wear that tiara well. I agree. And then my prom king is Duke Orsino. I just think he seems very well liked and I feel like the soccer dudes would really rally behind him. Totally. His friends rally behind him. Uh...
1: We've talked a little bit about, should any of these be remade? What do you
0: think, Blythe? Uh, as I said before, I would really like to see O remade and set at another, probably pri- like private high school makes sense to me, but use the original language. I think that would really yeah. make it pop, make it work. And I said I would cast Lucas Hedges as Hugo. Which I and- have all four. Um, and then I thought of Michael B. Jordan as Odin, but Aaron thinks he might be too old. He's like thirty one. But again, I think with that role and for it to be, for first you need the writing to be done well, but you need a an actor that can really carry that weight. Yeah, because that's a hard role, and you don't want to. It could just go wrong so easily if you if you miscast it, or if you if you don't write it appropriately. I hear you. And I would love a Twelfth Night remake. It's my favorite Shakespeare. I want. I would love to see Saoirse Ronan as Viola. I just. I don't even care if it's Such a teen Such interesting. Movie. I just want select there. Give me that.
1: I well, mean, I'm down for anything Saoirse does. Yeah, so. and she can do period stuff. Did you just watch Lady Bird when you made up this cast? No. Oh. No. No. Interesting. Um, I beg the universe to not remake Ten Things I Hate About You. No. Um, and I would also like to see a better oh that unpacks the racism um with any nuance <laughs> that, would yeah, nice. that would be nice um and then gave the female characters a lot more yeah and i think that that
0: is hot there is a, a good teen movie othello here it's just it would have to be way different than the movie yeah. that we watched. very different um which is the
1: best teen movie that we talked about uh, for me, it's some things I hate about you. I'm with you. I for me it is, and I think it's really stood the test of time. Undisputed, like no one has yeah. problems with that no. movie.
0: No, and I think as much as I appreciate your sister and her friends' uh, obsession with She's the Man, I don't know that it's necessarily going to hold up the way that I don't. Some I think that I it about just you means too. a very
1: specific thing to women of a very specific age. Yeah,
0: that's fair. Yeah. And that, you gotta have movies like that. But I just want, just give me more Shakespeare across the board. Oh boy. I'll take it all. All (laughs) Alright.
1: What are we talking about next week, Blythe? We're gonna do Type A Teens. Yeah, we got two very, very special people to talk about. Very special in literally every sense of the word. Great actors. Great characters. We'll tell you later. I'm very excited. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.